A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Word of God, word of life. God's grace and peace uh, to all of us gathered here this morning. Amen. Mary does not speak in this story, which is bothersome. It would be helpful to know where she is at. Is she seeking time for quiet at the end of a demanding day because she's just wiped out and cannot do one more thing? Did she say to her sister Martha, I would really appreciate some time with Jesus just to listen and learn without the disciples and all the crowds? Or did she just show up and decide, decide she was off the clock, not willing to help her sister to do what needed to be done that night? We can't know what Mary was thinking, so it feels like Martha and Mary are pitted against each other as if hospitality or being deeply present are choices we need to make with only one answer. With women mentioned so rarely as disciples in the New Testament, we need to be careful not to rush to judgment on who is the better disciple here. Martha that day was the doer, the one keeping the pot boiling and the welcome mat out, wondering if she has everything ready for Jesus to arrive. Mary, who has chosen a more sedentary role as learner, is at Jesus' feet, which is typically a role at that time that was only for men. You know, this world could not exist without Martha. A favorite acronym of mine is GSD, Get Stuff Done. In every job, there's a list of accountabilities and tasks, things that just have to happen in order for you to get paid. Same at home or at church. Someone had to make the coffee this morning for you to drink it. And then just try at 5 p.m. to inform your hangry family that you will sit quietly in your room for the next four hours, or tell your dog who wants to run and play that you're not available, or try to find your favorite comfy shirt when your laundry basket is overflowing, or try to continue driving your car when you're a thousand miles past the oil light needs changing now. 
The garbage service did not come to empty garbage bins on our side of the street this last Thursday, and I can tell you everyone and their noses noticed. I can relate to Martha, the juggling act of planning and making things happen, the sequencing of events to ensure that she welcomed guests with hospitality. That was so valued at that time. If the Samaritan from last week's story did not come close and act, that man in the ditch would have been long dead. I mean, Jesus himself, in that story, just verses before this one, says, who was the neighbor in this story? And the lawyer has to respond, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says so clearly, go and do likewise. Get after it. Get stuff done. And then in the next breath, Jesus seems to chide Martha for her preoccupation with doing her best in making God in flesh welcomed in her home. I mean, Jesus, you just said go and do, where you didn't mention a concern in your last story about worry and preoccupation. My mom began hospice care earlier this year, and I went into Martha mode my mind racing with all the details that needed to happen, playing out all the scenarios. Clearly, I was worried and distracted, which I know you understand, because you have walked this path too, or maybe you're even walking it now with someone you love. A grandparent, a parent, a partner, or for some, even a child. The hospice chaplain called me, a pastor herself, trained in the dailiness of end of life. How are you doing, Beth? I can't remember exactly what I said to her, but I'm sure I spewed off about my overextended emotions, about what this means, and all the things that this change in care requires. She paused and then said, Beth, settle in to hospice. Pull up a chair and stay. Get used to the new rhythms. Soak up moments of being present with your mom. You don't hold this on your own. It can't be all about doing. That is not what you or your mom need right now. I still evaluate my day by how much I get done. I love seeing little boxes checked off, the feeling that you can justify your worth by what gets done. And it is true that that sense of accomplishment is fleeting because the list will be long the next day too. And when we live in this loop of only doing and thinking that the world is ours to control, there is no time to name the extraordinary in the ordinary, to see the truth that God is among us in the flurry and the slowing down. We are not left or needed for the earth to spin on its access or for the creative energy to light galaxies 13 million light years away. And then there are times in life when we no longer can produce our minds and bodies slow down, and we can no longer keep pace 
with the pages of lists, the demands, or the hectic pace of getting stuff done. And there are times, most especially, when we need to hear that getting off the treadmill, walking away from the expectations, is the better part. Writer Anne Lamont says it so well, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes. That includes you. It's not just the unplugging, though. It is the realization that God chooses to be present without you doing a thing. I have no list of accomplished tasks I can present when I'm with my mom. There are long breaks of silence in our conversations where all I can hear is my breath and hers. There's a lot of hand-holding and there is love. The hospice chaplain called me recently and said, Beth, your mom is teaching you what grace looks like at the end of life. Even when it doesn't seem like much is going on, the kingdom of God is close. And when I stop long enough, I can see it. I can feel it. It's the teaching of grace. It is deep wisdom that our being is not determined by our doing, but by our meeting with one another and our presence. To love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind is to know that there is worth in the sitting and the simply receiving. My friend and colleague sent me this poem by Chaim Stern when I started sabbatical last spring. He writes, Our noisy day has now descended with the sun beyond our sight. In the silence of our praying place, we close the door upon the hectic joys and fears, the accomplishments and anguish of the week we left behind. What was but moments ago, the substance of our life has become memory. What we did must now be woven into what we are. On this day, we shall not do but be. We are to walk the path of our humanity, no longer ride unseeing through a world we do not touch and only vaguely sense. No longer can we tear the world apart to make our fire. On this day, heat and warmth and light must come from deep within us. Maybe Luke paired these stories in chapter 10 because it takes the doing of love and the receiving of love in order to love God and neighbor. It is both and. And then once you think you have it figured out, you need to be reminded once again. Thank God for community and for the call that we have today to worship to receive the grace that comes without merit in this word, in bread and wine, by being together today. What do you need today? Where is God calling you? 
Honestly, at this time in my life, I relate more to Martha. So I'm glad that God gave me my mom and others to teach me how to be like Mary. Amen.